three, two, one. We are live. My man, Shane, Wayne, how are you, brother? I'm great. How are you <laughs> Shane, doing? Wayne, I've got Shane on the brain. Wayne, I'm, I'm very yeah. good. Guys, I'm, boy, I'm joined this week uh, by a man I've known since uh, university days, and it's been incredible to watch his progress um, working in the human rights sector. He, he, is, he is now the head of strategic lit litigation at um, Lawyers for Human Rights. Uh, Wayne, thanks so much for taking the time to come out, brother, and, and see me. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a bit. Yeah, how you how, how you doing? No, I'm great. Loving Cape Town. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, better than Joburg. No, okay. not a chance. You're like, not willing to yeah. say that. <laughs> no, it's way too cold. Yeah. yeah, this mountain, like, yeah, we have better weather. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. So, listen, uh, when before we get to your uh, current position, you're 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 obviously at uh, LHR. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get to that. But let's talk a little bit about the journey. You know, um, mm. I mean, remembering you from. Back in the day, Varsity, we used to, of course, our connection back then as a guy who was actually studying while I was doing what I was doing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You, yeah, you were actually, uh, uh, the money your parents spent for university, you actually, you went there and actually did some university. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> but I mean, let, did let, nothing but study. No, no, no. Yeah. Model citizen. Yeah, model. Yeah, yeah. model student. <laughs> in case my parents are watching. Yeah, yeah just yeah. in case this gets back to your parents. Yeah. Um, Let's go back to then. I mean, your your background in, in in college. Maybe you can just just take us through from from college up, up until you know, kind of your journey to how you got to where you are now. Maybe you can quickly run us through how that's come about. Yeah. So I was yeah. I started Falcon College. Yeah. Was one of those science students. So I did A levels, like the Cambridge A levels, where I focused on. I think my A level subjects were. Chemistry, physics, and maths. Mm. And it's actually funny, I only took chemistry because my chemistry teacher hated me and <laughs> told me that I wouldn't make it yeah. in chemistry in final year. Yeah. And I almost took it as a dare to, to like get back at her. And to prove a point. Yeah, to prove a point. But anyway, so I was set on a life in sciences and uh, went and initially studied computer science, business science here okay. in Cape Town. Yeah. And yeah, then I did the switch to law, yeah. uh, which is a bit radical from sciences. Yeah, and in your in my head, you know, as a naive twenty-year-old, uh, you think, yeah, you can solve all the world's problems. They're really that simple at that yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I think if you look around the world, most people who seem to be like in history who have been influential have done it through law. Mm. Not a mm. lot of people who've changed the world historically with science degrees, except recently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. this was before the whole tech revolution where all the nerds now run the world. Yeah, yeah. Elon Musk and the guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so I mean, that, that was your uh, sort of background. And then well, what did it look like after you left college? Is, have you, how, how long have you been in LHR and, and things like that? Yeah, so I think straight out of uh, my law degree, I went and uh, did a master's at WITS in Joburg and yeah. started working at Lawyers Human Rights whilst doing the master's and I've been there since. And uh, so how many years is that? Jesus. So that's now eight years. You've been eight years? Yeah. Does, does it feel like you've been doing it for eight years? Eh? No, it doesn't. You know, like <laughs> it's, you, you get to this, uh, whenever people ask, you know, like you're either at a function or you're with other people in civil society. Yeah. Like, oh my God, you know, I've been working in this field for 
for nine months now, I've been working this book for two years. Yeah. And you know, you're always shy to be like, oh, you know, I'm like the grandpa <laughs> in the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I was fortunate because when I arrived uh, at Lawyers Human Rights, they, you know, like I arrived then, there were a lot of veterans who had been, you know, like the lifers, the ones who like truly believe in the cause. And a lot of them had been there for close to 10 years or longer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I think kind of like I had a good foundation to kind of learn and, and seeing those people who had kind of dedicated their lives and who are still in the sector now, uh, you know, it's reinforced the idea that, yes, this is what I should be doing with my life. Got you. The, mm. That strong kind of mentorship. And yeah. I mean, that's a, a pretty yeah. generic word, but yeah. there was kind of that a place mm. for you to be incubated into yeah you're in the right place and you kind of felt it straight away kind of thing yeah straight away yeah yeah mm. yeah. yeah like and this where, is it where would you say that came from though is, is that something that came to you later in maybe in academia or mm. when, when when did that has it always been in you to go you know i i am you know i'm just an individual that can serve the people you know because that's quite that's quite something mm. that you you know i can't imagine myself and I'll, i want to be honest mm. i can't imagine myself even doing what you're doing to take it to the level where you go i am serving the people mm. you know we were in, what was it early on have you always had that in you or what do you think uh probably it was probably late on it's i think going through high school i didn't think this was what i want to do <laughs> certainly not the law like uh it's the last thing that yeah. i thought i would be doing yeah, uh yeah. but i came from a family of lawyers uh, my dad was a professor of law mm -hmm. and one of my uncles is a Supreme Court judge. And actually growing up in that, I had like the opposite reaction. This is, I will never do this. Yeah, yeah. But you, you know, like you learn from what you see your parents doing, not like what you see them say, you know, like. Yes, there's, yes, there's yes, that. yes. Example of the and best teacher. Yeah. And uh, I think my dad reluctantly got to a stage in his legal career where he started helping out people who uh, I suppose were victims of whether it's violence, state repression. Yeah, yeah. And he started like he kind of switched from being like this corporate lawyer and this professor to being uh, without the title like this human rights lawyer or this public interest person who was trying to do good yeah, for other people. Yeah, yeah. And I I think that was also just out of necessity. You know, like uh, it's. You know, like I'm going to quote a Marvel movie. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> there, there's a scene in uh, Civil War with uh, Tony Stark and Peter Parker. Okay, where, I haven't seen it, but... Yeah, where Tony Stark goes to Peter Parker's house to try and recruit him uh, to help. And it's actually funny because he's trying to get him to do the opposite of uh, what Peter Parker says and so he asked Peter but so why do you do this and you know like Peter, Peter Parker is Spider-Man for anyone yeah. who's not a nerd and he asked him so why do you do this and he then says Peter Parker says to him you know like there's a classic uh, Ben Parker scene in all the old Spider-Man movies you know with great power comes great responsibility yeah, yeah. but he said it a bit simpler because he says if uh, you can do what I can do and bad things are happening and you do nothing when those bad things happen, it's because, you know, like, you're at fault. I yeah. got you, complicit yeah. in, in the yeah. yeah, and there's that complicity that comes with being in a place of privilege, yeah. whether it's like your 
family background, your proximity to arts, all the good schools, yeah. and your natural aptitude towards uh, subjects and your ability to to be able to do anything in life, whether it's good or bad, whether it's selfish or utilitarian. Yeah. And seeing what is kind of happening outside your door and saying that's got nothing to do with me. Uh, so I, I don't think it was like, oh, I'm like this, I thought, oh, I'm like the superhero who has to kind of like save everyone. Yeah. But after a while, you see these things happening uh, and across the continent. And, you know, like you then have to decide, okay, do I then just go look after me and my white picket fence and I don't look at it? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and I think that's the route I initially chose. And Which is interesting. I mean, to, to, to even, mm. even at, at our age now, I mean, we're yeah. similar ages, even to now have that sort of, because there, there has to be that um, kind of, you know, that, that, that element of uh, whether you're religious or not, but the, the, the concept, the framework of the concept is the same, is there, there is an element of there is salvation in mm. suffering, you know, and, mm. and in this sense, even if I paid you a billion rand a year, let's say hypothetically, yeah. in, 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 in the Tony Stark world, Mm. is there is that threshold where there isn't almost enough money for the type of work you would do because the world's problems are never over. Yeah. You, you, know, you know what I mean? And I, I find that quite phenomenal and a phenomenal thing about uh, yourself mm. and you, you've always been so understated. But so let's, I think that's a great place to start, Wayne. Um, mm. So for the layman, like, like myself and, and, and people out there, what, what actually would you say if, if I was to give you the generic view? I always hear it human rights violation, human yeah. rights this, you know? Like, it's, it's, it's something which, I, I, I don't know if it's sometimes used to the point where sometimes it's misused. What does it actually mean when I say uh, you are fighting for people's human rights in the, in, in the broader sense? Maybe you can uh, unpack that for us before we get, we get into a, a few other things. Yeah, so it is well, a pretty generic, yeah. the Western world, I, yes. I, I think that's important. Let, let, let's keep it in a Western, we live in a fluid, but let, let's for this mm. definition say, in a capitalist, um, Christian, Judean, Western world. Maybe if I can narrow it down like that, I don't, I don't know if that's... Yeah, right. no, that's perfect. And yeah. I, in fact, I think I'll probably narrow it down even further, like to, you look at the South African Constitution, which sure. is a Bill of Rights, uh, and bill of, the Bill of Rights applies to all people within South Africa, and the Bill of Rights guarantees very specific rights to everyone. Sure. So when you say you are kind of championing human rights violations or you're fighting for people's human rights, yeah. uh, in a South African context, you're talking about that Bill of Rights uh, and like to kind of, it, and they're the minimum rights that are afforded to everyone. Yeah. Like right to dignity, right to life, yeah. right to equality, yeah. right to health, right to education right to certain procedural aspects uh, regarding detention and criminal trials yeah. and certain children's rights. Yeah. So they're, they're essentially those rights that accrue to everyone and that are minimum standards for how any human should be treated. Right? Set within the South African yeah. Uh, constitution. Yeah. yeah, so and like, you know, like the slight variations, but you go to every country, like it's still like those same minimum standards and they're all is all similar you know you go to the US uh, there's 
you see equality as a backbone and freedom of speech yeah. and uh, dignity and stuff like that. There'll be some countries which might not interpret the right to life yeah. the same way where you'll have the death penalty. But essentially, it's saying us as humans, this is how we expect to treat all other humans. And sure. regardless of what other things we're doing, whether it's the government or whether you're interacting with people, yeah this is a bare minimum that each human being should have. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. when those start getting violated, uh, that's where like we say, okay, we draw the line here and we should be able to protect people. So from your extremes to, if we're talking about like ethnic genocide yeah. to, you know, like uh, muting people's ability to protest and to speak, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And now, t tell me, um, you, you know, for, for somebody like myself who is unashamedly, uh, some people say I'm too liberal, and mm. I'm happy to say I'm uber liberal, mm. you know, um, I'm, I'm, as, I'm as left as it goes in, uh, in most of my beliefs, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm uber, uber liberal. So for somebody like myself who would look at it and go, wait, where does, uh, in your mind, because human rights to me sounds like such a fantastic thing, but I I, I look at the world I live in, you mm. know. So like I live, li I can only take, I can only tell my truth, and I, I say to you, Wayne, mm. when you talk to me about these human rights, um, is they they they're generally there to protect society? I would imagine is how it would be verbalized if if we were saying like why mm. are human rights there? They're there to protect society, mm. and I'm always interested in when I look at the world I live in. The reality is. I, I'm starting to wonder more and more. So I live in Cape Town, mm. South Africa, okay? Divided society mm. uh, to, the, to the point of ridiculous. It's, mm. it's, it's to the point of ridiculous. Yeah. But where does society start, you know? Mm. Because I kind of feel when we say society, even though we say, uh, I, I'll, I'll give you an example, okay? Mm. So, there, so, so let's say Table Mountain. There, mm. there was a spate of crimes for a while and that became a disaster. Mm. Right, like disaster in the power in mm. Newlands, where I live in the southern suburbs as well. Town, it became a disaster for let's face it, white, uh, wealthy mm. South Africans. It became a disaster for the 10 people that were killed on, on the thing. Mm. And my thing was because I, I, I got caught up in a, in a rather nasty incident on the mountain as well, so yes, um, it became a thing where. Oh, that's a disaster, that crime. And then the language was quite um, concerning to me. And people asked me, because I work in the scene, to get involved and do I want to get involved in security thing? And I said, no, mm. because why is this a disaster? Is yes. it a disaster because the crime is happening to me mm. and I happen to be able to share a flat white with you mm. in Seapoint, in, in Newlands, now it's a disaster. But why don't you do the same thing? Why is it not a disaster in Bishop Labors? Mm. And through, and, but I've always had this notion of, does, does society begin at the middle class, even if we aren't expressing that? Like, do, do, you, do you feel that there, there's, there's that yes. element uh, floating around? Because so human rights are interesting to me, mm. and if they are meant to serve society, where does that line where we consider people a part of the, this general thing, the society, where does it, in, in, in your mind, where does that start? So I think, particularly if you look at the South African constitution, it is the exact opposite of that. It is not meant to serve society because society has always been exclusionary. Sure. It's meant to protect the individual and a lot of times protect the individual from society. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you know that famous quote about society is defined by how you treat like your weakest yes. member. And essentially, 
like that you almost point out a perfect definition for human rights. It's, you know, what we expect from like the weakest person in society, whether we're talking not just physically, yeah. like economically, socially, yeah. class-wise. Yeah. And those rights that we say we guarantee, we guarantee it for that individual from society. So if society comes down to bear on that individual, he is protected. And particularly the context of our constitution in South Africa, yeah. in fact, is tailored against like the kind of scenario you're talking about where like society is a specific privileged part of society yeah. and those rights which were entrenched because before before we had a bill of rights in the country yeah. you had parliamentary so sovereignty and yeah. it was you know i suppose what you call kind of oppression of the majority and by majority i mean oppression of those who have privileged yeah and what Bill of Rights is meant to do is equalize so that. privilege upon those who don't have yes. the oppression they enforce upon. Yes. Because most people and, are And that's poor. where society begins, right? Yeah. At least that's, uh, you know, like without defining that as society, but that's like generally speaking, each uh, like groups of human beings, yeah. there will always be some sort of level of separation and say, okay, this is what, how our, us as the governing body of a particular place consider this is where what we prioritize and uh, to be frank in Cape Town the priority of Cape Town administratively yeah. is the affluent areas yeah. uh, and so you, you know you talk about the distinction between like Seapoint and Kukuletu yeah, yeah. you talk about the service provision distinction between you know, uh, the waterfront and Kailisha, yeah. you can see there that there's, there's like this deep inequality, yeah. which is institutionalized, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so if we are to then say rights start at society, yeah. it would mean that rights start at what, at a very specific upper class. And because of the historical and even day, like real day segregation of, uh, Cape Town, yeah. uh, racially, it is not just classes, but then it becomes like a racial segregation. So, so we're now saying society is predominantly white yeah. and therefore rights are only accrue. But actually what the regime of Bill of Rights is meant to be saying is we're equalizing the playing field. Yeah. So we take a look at the situation in like the, the horrible situation that you were talking about in Table Mountain and that's a horrific thing yeah. and what our rights say is that's horrific that should not be happening we should make sure that we protect those people on table mountain yeah. but we should protect them as much as we're protecting people in mitchell's plain as much as we're protecting people in kailisha yeah. and then the steps that you then take to protect the people at table mountain yeah. should in no way violate the rights of other people right and it's it's that equalizing the playing field okay so now uh, people have either been the victims of crimes in Table Mountain, mm -hmm. it does not mean that you can then go and put in discriminatory security laws in the manner in which you protect people. Yeah. So it starts to govern how society then starts to react to situations. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That, that is kind of like the playing field. Yeah. And then let's say, for instance, we're to say, okay, there's been crime in Table Mountain, now we're not gonna let any, let's say black people or colored people in there or we're going to impose curfews yeah, yeah. and it's like private i mean it's public land yeah then you can see that that now becomes yeah 
rights violation. So now you have two injustices, the crime that was perpetrated yep. and then the broad discrimination which which starts to violate the right to people's equality yeah. and dignity. Yeah. And maybe if we start saying, you know, you think of something like in America where they're like search and frisk, which is done on a racial basis, on a, on a class basis, yeah. then so the, the, the point of human rights is not to have, uh, I suppose you have this one bad thing, which is a crime, yeah. which then perpetuates other bad things. Got you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so you, you know, you, you're touching on something very interesting to me. And mm. uh, once again, through my through my lens, uh, I'm observing a. Um, and I, I think obviously, you know, when we whenever you mention capitalism, people mm. tend to get um, very, very defensive because the immediate thing is, if you say, if you even criticize capitalism as a framework, you're a socialist. We've yeah. already tried. Uh, look what happened. You're a Marxist. You, mm. you know. Whereas you're going, listen. Right, capitalism because it's it's Girls always been Venezuela. In, 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 yeah, and it's yeah, Venezuela, yeah. Cuba. They, they immediately bring up, uh, and capitalism is always viewed as just an economic system. Mm. But I think we, we forget that capitalism is also a pedagogy. Mm. You know, it is an overarching teaching system mm. for how we roll. So even things like human rights and laws are viewed through, in my view, a neoliberal capitalist. So are you valuable to the economy? Mm. And and it's a fact that the trickle down there for me becomes, and it's something quite interesting in human rights, is, um, you know, when when something like human law becomes a commodity, you look at Oscar Pistorius, mm. right? Even him not getting a life sentence, he had the money to buy the best mm. lawyers, right? And in the spirit of the law, he's, the man's guilty, isn't he? I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but he... Well, I mean, he was found guilty. Yes, yeah, but just, he, yeah. bought, he bought a level of justice, mm. you know? And uh, how do we preclude ourselves from power right being able to have clearly their power had a hand on justice if, if you know what i'm saying you know and and the society's human rights because mm. we need to be able to believe in the systems that apply our human rights right mm. and, and there you go like my god the, the power's clearly got its hand that shouldn't happen you know mm. and, and and for you working in the practice and especially working where you work are, are these things that you're facing to go economy money power shouldn't dabble in that um you know st state and economy shouldn't be uh synonymous capitalism you, you, basically what i'm saying is how do we avoid a world where capitalism and i guess in inverted commas democracy are seen as synonymous because i think that could be quite dangerous to our human rights yeah because most people are poor yes right? like, yeah i mean aristotle basically said you, you know back in the day they, they they would have it as you know very well is governance was a lottery system yeah and and then the bourgeois thought no this is a bad system because mm. we got so, so so it's almost like now it, uh, we're going back to that capitalism yeah, yeah. So, so so basically what i'm saying is it, it, does that worry you and uh, and is uh, are these conversations that are that are happening that capitalism and democracy and law shouldn't be seen as synonymous you know and should, yes yeah. well and t maybe use the oscar uh, example mm. you know the the problem with oscar is not that he got he got a special justice because of money yeah the problem with oscar is that he alone gets his rights vindicated yes so the, the technically speaking you know obviously for society and for the family you look at a situation where someone allegedly kills another individual and only gets six years yeah 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 he 
what he did with his lawyer was he vindicated all the rights that accrued to him in terms of the Bill of Rights yes. and in terms of the legal system yes, to yes. ensure that it looked favorably and holistically towards his situation so that he got those six years. Yes. Which, technically speaking, as him as an individual, is fine, even if we probably are not happy about it. Yes. But the bigger problem is that you look through his trial where he got every single right of his ticked, and that's great because like, that's exactly what his lawyer is meant to do. It's exactly what the justice system is meant to do for everyone, yes. right? Whether or not that sentence was a correct one, yes. but him being able to say everything it did and pull out every legal principle he did is what's meant to happen, yes. but it's meant to happen to everyone. Yes. Yes. So now the problem is not so much that Oscar bought justice, it's just that Oscar bought justice that is not flowing to everyone else. Gotcha. And so th that, uh, you know, that laid off driver who hasn't fed his family in two months because he hasn't got his salary, who goes and commits a petty crime like stealing foundation or formula yeah. for his kid, yeah. will get the same rights fully vindicated for him. The uh, guy who has allegedly committed fraud because he used an ID he didn't know was uh, fraudulent or someone copied his ID yes, yes. and now has been stuck in remand prison yeah. for eight months before his trial has been called. You know, he should have been able to get bail on the first day yeah, for yeah. an even lesser crime as Oscar did yeah. and had that whole situation cleared up as well. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. now what the problem is now is not so much that those rights are there for Oscar to exploit yeah. is that those rights are not filtering to everyone because the justice system uh, requires skilled practitioners yes. for people to get them and the legal system is such that that requires capital yeah. for you to be able to get the services and the legal system is also set up such that if you do not have that lawyer to vindicate you because of the amount of traffic that goes in, yes. you will not have those rights vindicated. Yeah. And so the, the, what we're really talking about now is how we start to equalize access to justice away from capital. But now what you're talking about is like taking well, away the, our profession, yes. right? Uh, or allowing our profession to cover everyone. Uh, and this is something that we try to do like in the legal NGO sphere. Yes. It's a, it's essentially, our job is let us provide the same quality services to marginalized individuals, vulnerable communities, yeah. and indigent people as, you know, like your big corporates and everyone with money will get from your big firms, uh, and I won't drop any of their names, yeah, not to be disparaging, maybe, yeah. they do a very good job for all their clients and they do pro bono work, but then logically because they're making money, the majority of their clients are people with money. So it's just, now that is something that as a society we have to figure out. Yeah, right? okay. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, mm. Because what, what, what uh, basically where I'm coming from, and mm. uh, I think what you've labeled beautifully there and outlined uh, framed beautifully is that, the, the, the ultimate nihilist position, I feel, mm. is when, when ultimately human rights, and human rights for me and mm. law and are, are one thing, become commoditized or commodified. Mm. Then yes. we have a serious problem, yes. right? Because when, as with most things within the framework of uh, 
capitalism. And to mm. an extent, uh, I, I guess we are a fluid um, economic state. I'm not going to say we are purely, mm. but we are, um, you, you know, if it becomes commodified and under a neoliberal society, then people cease to be people. Mm. And do, do you, you, do you only deserve uh, human rights yeah. and law if you're rich. Yes. And that's because that's ultimate nihilism, isn't it? For me. Y like, mm. if we go, the, what's the logical conclusion, you know? Um, if, if once again the people who are meant to be protected, like you said, from the from the nation state, can't afford it. Yeah, and so you know, like the different ways in which, so you know, like we now start to talk about how we get. Yeah, right. Because obviously we've adopted a colonial yeah, capitalist yeah, yeah. Uh, framework for how we govern society. Yeah. And if you look at our past uh, traditional structures of your indigenous people, yeah. they, you know, like a lot of villages, a lot of communities used to have uh, shiftans and kings and these traditional courts yes. where you'd have one person who would sit and who would judge, uh, you know, like what you call our alternative dispute uh, mechanisms, which kind of took away the idea of power. Yes. I'm not saying they were incorruptible, but at least, you know, like, they they put everyone on a level uh, playing field. Yeah. And we have some systems that uh, our justice system has tried to incorporate. You think of your equality courts, you think of uh, your, at the CCMA, yeah. Yeah. Uh, at the bargaining council, you think of your small claims court. There are certain areas where legal representation is either specifically precluded to put people at a level playing field yeah. or Ultimately, in all those different spheres, someone with money can always then jump to the next stage. You know, like if an employee wins at the CCMA, you can appeal to the labor court and that's the labor court. Now it's a high court. Now you bring in your advocates and now, you know, so Bleed whilst, and dry. so, you know, we're still at this shaky place where we're like, we're trying to level the playing field yes. in certain areas. But we aren't quite there yet. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not saying I have the solution. Yes. Uh, I think there's also n not enough knowledge within the populace, particularly your poor people, people who are not as economically uh, powerful, yeah. about the other alternative justice options that they have. Uh, not, and some of these courts are actually quite successful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, there's, you know, like there's a topic generally about our judiciary, and I think there's certain levels in the judiciary where, uh, like, no doubt you need money to kind of access them. Yes. And those with money, particularly where there's a lot of traffic, like the criminal justice system, particularly, yeah. you know, like, is a place of deep inequality and is really classist. Absolutely. Uh, but a lot of our courts are very progressive, and they're very progressive to the rights of poor people. Mm, mm. It's just, you know, how do the poor people get to that doorstep? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Our Concord has had amazing judgments uh, protecting and vindicating the rights of marginalized communities and yeah. trying to equalize things. But, I mean, how many cases can a Concord which sits once see? And to get there, you already need, like, uh, you know, a very, a very good uh, litigation lawyer. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And there are only so many pro bono litigation lawyers in the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's how do we then start to filter down legal services to 
to uh, to poor people so that they all have lawyers. And then be because we're in a capitalist system, right? Yeah. What we say is uh, our whole system is okay. You, if you want to make money, right? The more money you'll make, you, the most money you make is dependent on who you work for and who pays you. Yes. So if you're doing pro bono work and you're working for poor people, you're not going to make money. So if you become very good at something, you will obviously, so like if I'm a very good car maker or I'm a very good welder, I'm yeah. a very good plumber, yeah. I will charge the highest services yeah. and then the people who will come and get me are those who can s to do that. And that's fair because you're saying, I've gone and I've perfected my skill and the, I, I am delivering a certain quality and therefore you pay this much. Yeah. So now what are the people who are either accepting like the, what poor people can pay or doing pro bono work would invariably not be people who would be able to charge a lot. Yes. Right, because we're not saying they're the cream of the crop, they've got the most experience. Yes. Uh, yes. Unless, obviously, you know, like, they're all utilitarian and... Uh, most people, can, uh, yeah. 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 It, 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 generally speaking, the system would be your best lawyers will be the most expensive, and we know this. Your, your what we call senior counsel and advocates, yep. they're the ones who charge the most, uh, invariably, so, uh, like, the hardest to get, and... They're normally briefed by your big firms and they're normally briefed by the people who pay the most. So to get a senior counsel to be doing a pro bono matter, uh, a lot of pro bono matters and regularly representing... Yeah, yeah uh, the man on the street. Man of the street. It's the economics of capitalism just does not allow that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I think once again, you, you know, it's... I think that this thing of everybody freaking out as soon as you start saying, guys... Do we, we need to examine capitalism for a few reasons. Mm. Here, I think within the, your sphere, I'm sure you see it bold-faced, mm. that you know there are certain locked-in gridiron things that leave out most people from even having the thing we talk about as justice. And I, I appreciate you un, unpacking it like this. I want to move on to, obviously, an interesting part of justice. Mm. And I think I, I would say, okay, we're in South Africa, but within any third world country um, yeah. or, or developing nation, I, I actually, I believe, is, the, is now the, the term. Violence, right? Mm. And I, I think this is probably something you might experience. And people always think of violence as stab, shoot. You know yeah. what I mean? Whereas um, ma ma maybe we can o open up on violence in terms of you at LHR, what type of violences are you seeing besides, uh, you, you know, you would deal with, uh, I, I know at a stage, I remember you were dealing with sort of the immigration mm. um, uh, sort of challenges, if you can call it that, and, and downright xenophobia in South Africa. Yes. Like, l l let's not be, I, I don't want to beat around the bush, mm. xenophobia in South Africa. Uh, appalling, mm. appalling xenophobia uh, in South Africa. Now, that, that for me is a form of violence before people are even beating the people. So maybe we can, yeah. we can get into how you sort of, deal with deal with explaining to people that violence isn't the end product of me being tied up on table mountain that's mm. not just the only type of violence and it's not the only brutality that exists it's demeaning somebody and and like you said no dignity is a form of violence which i believe through my eyes is is um, inherent in the system yes so and i may be wrong i mean I, i'm happy to, to to hear your yeah you know 
the thing is, we do have in our common law here a crime of criminal injuria, mm -hmm. right? And that's a criminal statute. And it is essentially, you know, like doing something, uh, diminishing someone's dignity. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, like those kind of crimes are, they, the wounds from those crimes last longer and are more difficult to kind of deal with. Yeah. And uh, uh, I'm sure we've seen now, you know, we live in a world of social media. Uh, we know like there's a lot of cyberbullying with children. Yes, yes. And we've seen a lot of uh, suicides that happen at a level where people are, you know, like there's some sort of cyberbullying. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, we, we've seen uh, suicides with certain vulnerable groups if we're talking about the LGBTI community. Yes. You know, where that exclusion from a, sp a space. And now, you know, like they might not, there uh, a lot of whether or if it's like where someone there's no physical violence that's been visited upon you yes but you your almost your very existence is questioned yeah, yeah and and it can be across the, the stream you know like whether we're talking about uh transphobia islamophobia uh uh like hatred towards uh people of certain gender xenophobia yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, since we're in Cape Town uh, you know like just racism yeah generally uh, and unashamed yeah. racism the yes. thing about Cape Town a lot yeah. of people don't want to talk mm. about here it's unashamed yes. like we are we will preclude you yeah and it's not a secret you know like and I think people are uncomfortable with this but mm. you know you can say what you want about being liberal yeah. it's clear you've yes. acted you are precluded yes the walls are getting higher the, the rent is getting higher. Like yes. there are, there, there, and I'd be interested to, to hear what you think. Is the, the preclusive measures, which are often economic, mm. are experienced as violence if you're not a part of that system? Yes. And I, I mean, you In know, my, like my the, the, there's that recent uh, FMB uh, scandal where they charged high rates to low income black people. Yeah. Right. And you know, it's funny, that's like a common story here uh, in Cape Town. And you, I'm sure you we've all heard like the stories of, you know, like when you speak with your black friends specifically, yes. those who've kind of lived in both Cape Town and Joburg yes. and that distinction. And, you know, as someone who was in Cape Town like for a long time before I moved to Joburg and, yeah. you know, like there was this phobia of Joburg. Yep. And then you go live in Joburg and then you come to, back to Cape Town you can feel it, you know, like you can physically feel like you, uh, you know, like it is not a space for you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's unashamed. Yes. It's unashamedly. And the interactions. Yeah. And, you know, like, and we are people who have like a certain privilege and certain social capital, capital where we can almost maneuver in Cape yes. Town and in like South Af all of South African society a lot easier yeah, because yeah. whether it's uh, the, the privilege that we had in terms of the schools we went to, our interaction with people, yes. even our kind of proximity to white culture because of the way you speak. Yeah, and uh, assimilation. Yes, and that assimilation. And even then, you know, like there's still that, yeah. it, it, it just feels like so, 
it's no, almost it's, it's visceral yeah, here in Cape Town. It's, it's, it's yeah, and, and 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 it's it's weird because you know like it's not something that people want to talk about and you know like people will say no you're using the race card and all these other things but it's and you know like i mean just practically speaking you go look at an uh geographical aerial map of cape town yeah and you see how it's demarcated yeah. you can see why what's happening right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it's That's literal deliberate. yeah deliberate segregation Absolutely. that happened Absolutely. right but as a result of that right when I remember actually uh, this is where like one of my experiences here was when I was uh, a first year and you know like you at first year you go up campus you kind of go down from jammy stairs you know the Rosebank area and you know everyone in and around and then I once got on a taxi and I went you know like I went into town and you know like I was thinking uh you know like i didn't really get that far like as soon as you leave the campus area sandy i can't see any black people yeah, right? yeah yeah and then you know like it's in the back of your mind you're a kid you don't know anything then one day i took a i was meant to take a taxi to claymont where yeah. we are now from rosebank and i kind of got uh, or from rondenbosch yeah and i kind of got absent-minded i forgot where i was going past weinberg and I ended up in Kukuleti, right? And imagine, and then suddenly, so this is my first viewing of, so, of Kukuleti, and then you're yeah. like, like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. So, you know, in my mind, I actually got to a point where I'm like, maybe there are actually no black people in this town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And it was like so visceral because what happens is, you know, like obviously I had to get out of that taxi because then you have to go get another taxi which is going the other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like there in these, uh, you know, the shacks that yes. they had. And a lot of them were like not even taller than me. And, and I suppose I was still growing then, so I don't know if I was even as tall as I am now. <laughs> and this plane flies over, right? And the ground shakes because it's like near where uh, and like, the, you know those old asbestos? Yes, 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 yeah. I know exactly what you mean. And they're all shaking and like this is existence yeah, for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know obviously like this kind of shows my own privilege, like the fact I was like how do people live here? And then I was like, you know, because you you arrive here and this place is spectacular, there's a mountain, yeah, everything yeah. seems nice and then on campus there's all these activities, yeah. you know, like everyone is like, they seem liberal, they seem, you know, there's always like this party atmosphere, you feel like you can do anything you want. Absolutely. And then, you then, and you like, oh, Cape Town is the best city in the world, right? Sure. You know, sure. like you, everyone thinks yeah. that. Yeah. And then from that day on, I was just like, my God, what is this place, right? Uh, and and then you know like i actually didn't think about it a lot until then uh went and stayed in joburg and i really wasn't a fan of joburg because you know like if you come from cape town you have your views of joburg of course and joburg is far from a uh, uh, perfect city there's like so much inherently it's a perfect visualization of like south africa as a state absolutely all the good and all the bad yeah, yeah. and on like steroids. this yeah yeah and then you come back to cape town and, and particularly come back to Cape Town without the shelter of 
the varsity campus. Yes. And you just, you, you know, like that visceral, like, othering that you feel. Yes, like, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like and you're, you're an outsider in a society that doesn't want you. And it's, like you say, it's unashamedly so how people interact with you. Yeah. How, uh, and you know, like it's both explicit and implicit. You might get direct racial slurs. Yeah, yeah. Or you might just get people who are angry at you or who will treat, visibly treat you differently from everyone else. Uh, yeah. And then, or you might have the people who, you know, like they will, you know, like I suppose who might jokingly, oh, here, you know, like, oh, here's our clever black. Yeah, he's a black guy. Yeah, you're like, who, 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 like who, 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 and exclusion you yeah. from the space yeah. will still do it by their behavior, right? And, and, and I suppose it's just because there are no, like there's, there, there's no, there's, the segregation has been so intense that... It's normalized. It, yeah. the, the, the thing is, for, for me, it's almost that's mm. normalized that even if you see a, a black person who, you, you, you know, like mm. like you and me, as you say, we can assimilate and move out, assimilate, yeah. is I, I can feel what a shock it is to them mm. as a, as, because some, you know, that mm. you, you, you can, you can almost feel the conversation start up here. Mm. And then as you like, you know, even something as you talk rugby and cricket mm. with guys, you can feel the mood dissipate or, or, or those, yeah. those fences dissipate and people don't realize this, mm. but you, you know, we're talking about violence, but what a lot of people don't understand, and I'm sure mm. what you have to deal with is to keep explaining to people yeah. that violence is experienced by poor people constantly. Yes. Con like constantly. Just because he's not getting shot at home, mm. he's still poor. Yes. Like hunger is a version of violence. And, you know, I'm unashamed in saying, I, because I, I'm a part of the bourgeois, mm. I mustn't lie. Yeah. Um, that within capitalism, most people experience violence because most people are poor. Yes. It, not just here, in the world. Yeah. And um, so, so, so you, you, you know, violence to me, Wayne, is such an interesting thing. And there was an interesting case. Uh, I, I think we're actually coming at a, at a, at a, you were saying to me, oh, I remember, I think it was yesterday. Yeah. It popped up on your phone or something. And um, maybe we can get into that article. Yeah, sure. And let, let, let's get into why is that a, la what is it firstly? Talk, talk me through the case yeah. and what the judgment is. And why you feel it's a landmark uh, case? I, I'd love to hear it from your side. Yes. So we have an amazing uh, land and housing program. Uh, they, they do phenomenal work, uh, helping out all sorts of different communities. Is this at LHR? Yes. Or? This is at Lawyers Human Rights. Yep. And what they did was so. Th there, there's an issue about how we treat homeless people, and and this is a global issue, yeah. really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I'll just stick to South Africa for now. And what happens, again, because there's this exclusion of, from society, right, what has always happened was, ha has always happened in this capitalist and previously apartheid racist society, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. is that, you know, there's been this 
what used to be racial segregation and has now turned into classist segregation. Yeah. And what happens is you have a lot of people who are in and part of that community mm -hmm. who of our big towns who are homeless for whatever reason. Some might have been trying to seek works or or some might have lost their jobs or yeah. you know, like they just never found any footing in society and never assimilated into uh, you know, neoliberal capitalist society. Yeah, which is a hell of a complex thing. Yeah. And then they in in this situation, these homeless people er erected, you know, like an open space, uh, their own shelters and they had their belongings and they were forcibly evicted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and what happened... Where was this in particular? Uh, so this is in Johannesburg. Yes, uh, let's just... Yeah. Some people may not have seen this. Uh, yeah. So where, where, in Joburg? In uh, I mean, I couldn't quote you the exact place, yeah. but it was somewhere close to Alexandria, if yeah. I remember correctly. Yes. And the JMPD, the police basically came and uh, one night just took all their belongings, destroyed all be their belongings. Mm -hmm. So it's literally because they didn't want the homeless people in a particular area. Yeah. So they destroyed their belongings and what they had and their and what allowed them to live there yeah. to as a way to forcibly evict them. So normally when you evict someone from a particular area, yeah. right, yeah. you'll come and serve an eviction notice and then maybe you'll have the sheriff come and move you out and then someone else can occupy the land. Yeah. But now because the people are inherently homeless, they they're only they regularly so like imagine you're under a bridge, you always go to that bridge mm -hmm. and you've been there for a long time and then you've built yourself certain areas so that when you're existing in that bridge you can shelter yourself from yes. the cold and it is a place where you come back and so the police will just come and take everything. Yeah. Your yeah. temporary shelters, your little belongings that you have, your structures. It is, you know, like the most insane type of violence. Sure. It's to us the equivalent of this is your nice, beautiful home. Someone comes and takes down, demolishes all the roof, the walls, takes your bed, your sofa, takes cuts down all these trees, yeah. the pool. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and then barricades the place. So you now this is no longer a home or a shelter for you. Sure. Uh, and so, so whilst it's not legally an eviction, it's a form of eviction through the violence of depossession. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the case went to the Supreme Court of Appeal, uh, and we got a judgment recently, and by we, I mean the organization, through the hard work of uh, the Land and Housing Unit, Okay. Uh, of LHR. Of LHR. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Laws for human rights, for those who don't know. Yes. And this judgment basically awarded damages for the violence that was affected yep. and set out the unlawful nature of actions like this. Yeah. And so actions like this are now inherently unlawful and can lead to punitive measures yep. taken. I mean, the quantums were not great but at least there's a very clear legal standard that's set out, which can now be upheld. And what obviously you hope in a democratic society is that now that it's clear that actions like that by the state are unlawful, yeah. it is something that, that is then transmitted to uh, the state and all this law enforcement uh, agencies 
so that they know they cannot do that That's and they unexpected. cannot visit that violence. But I mean, that is as that's the most literal capitalist violence it's you're poor yeah we don't want to see you here yeah, yeah and we're not we it's not like we're locking up and taking away from you we are destroying your ability to be here mm, mm, so mm. that we can kind of uphold you know the the social status quo you should not be here yeah you don't yeah. you don't represent an example of what we would like to ourselves see ourselves mm. as so mm. you must go and uh, you, you know this is called a um for those that are interested in looking the term up it's called necropolitics you know yeah and necropolitics uh, uh for those who don't know when I, I mean i know you're a learned man but um it's it's almost violence which is it, it's 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 the it's the law of the walking dead basically yeah. it's, it's to say okay violence against these people is okay. Yes. And being a black middle class South African myself, I'm becoming more and more aware that necropolitics is actually it, of course it, it it is still racial purely in South Africa by mm. its divide, but it's it's a classist thing. Mm. Because even people that live in the uh, have proximity to power and wealth go mm. oh the violence that's happening over there. Mm. You know? And you, you, you know there's nothing worse for me and I'm I'm the most critical person and I I'm in my spiritual journey and I have to find a way to make it work of I'm aware where I am I'm complicit mm. I I I I don't get to play the double game uh, I think they call it political purity yes. of, of you you know to say I'm going to have these theories that will never be tested so I can never be wrong mm. really you know so I'm aware and 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 I'm looking to uh, this is why people like yourself inspire me to 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 keep asking myself questions is you know my proximity to power which just by living where i live by living with the people i live with even mm. the people that i can talk to the people i can whatsapp on my phone what am i doing with that you know is it just for my political uh, i mean for my capitalist ends is, mm. is that it is is it just my friends look at me i live in the su- southern suburbs or or do i say you know as the great zygmunt bauman used to say and and says in all his writing is no state is ever just enough mm no state is ever just enough and and privileged people need to hear that and, and that one doesn't go in my eyes to to in South Africa's context white people yes yes that one we need to I hear mean, as yeah. black middle upper middle class the no state is ever just enough yeah and and we, you know my criticism will always be of my people the most that's yes. the state i want to be in yes. is to say uh this is the infancy guys Mm. and th- th- there is violence happening to our people mm. and you are complicit listen we are all living our lives we are all slaves to emotive a word um in locked in the system called capitalism we all do have to do these things we have to do but to what end mm. to what end do we need five houses in brainston if you're first generation black do you you know and i and and this is probably a more complex conversation that we can have but you, you know when i i find myself uh, you, you you said the, these this wonderful case and uh, we'll chat about it a bit more later says to me it's something i've been struggling with for a long time and within uh, the nation state for me is getting better and better at violence and mm. that worries me across the world mm. nation state is getting so at, at being punitive is getting better and better and it's almost a crime to be poor. Yes. Uh, and I think you know like that term is like perfect because 
it's the cr criminalization of poverty. Yeah. It's, but it's more than that. It's the engineering and criminalization Ex of poverty. So that and violence is inherent in Yes. And, you know, like where it begins, right? Because that's exactly what these discriminatory regimes were all about. Yeah. And you, you look at your apartheid, right? Yeah. That's exactly, it was a measure of control. Like part of what it was, you know, it was not just about racial hatred and racial exclusion, yeah. right? It was a mixture of racial hatred, racial exclusion, but also market forces. Yes. It's, you go, because, you know, like capitalism, uh, you know, like without kind of delving into the whole theory of capitalism too much, yes, but yes, yes. it works through depossession. Yes. Right. It's someone has to be exploited for you to have so much, so much that you don't really kind of haven't really earned, uh, you haven't really worked for. Yes. You have to have taken it from someone. Absolutely. Whether it's, you know, like how the violence that was visited upon the natives and when the Europeans landed in America, yeah. even the violence that, you know, like, and not to be hypocritical and just kind of look at colonial violence, that was also a part of African culture, the violence that Shaka would visit on other and even tribes. That, yeah. yeah, and take their stuff. Yeah. So what it is, is, so, and what, what uh, the last regime did was, was say, okay, we, you know, like South Africa has all this, uh, mineral resources it's got all these riches that can be exploited whether yeah. it's extractives or whether it's agriculture yeah how can we make sure that a small few yeah can exploit it and benefit from it yeah right and simply saying okay we will just kick everyone away and you'll be there and we'll we will we will then have this land to reap that's not how it works, right? Yeah, because yeah. you then still have to work the land. Sure. But so what you do is you say, okay, we will exclude you from uh, the areas where you can benefit. Yes. And then exclude you from the areas where you can educate yourself, but then be punitive. And, you know, there used to be these taxes and apartheid. You now stay in desolate areas which were you are put into poverty yes. and that forces you then to be a laborer in the system so you then you then come in so it wasn't just about saying okay black people you have your own land there yeah it was about putting black people in a situation where they can come and serve their interests and be that workforce labor yeah yeah yeah, yeah. after ensuring that they have no other options yeah and that's how it feeds I'm and and that's what we still see now and you know it's obviously inherently uh, because of the inequality still largely on a racial level because yeah. you kind of haven't really had a lot of transformation yeah but what we do is we try the reason why there's such an effort to criminalize poverty and criminalize and it's criminalize access to affluency yeah. that has not been earned so that you know you're meant to be over there in Alexandria and Kukuletu yes. and if we see you here yeah. you will be punished yeah. make sure you go back to where you are yeah. and you can come through when it's time for you to work on our time yes yeah when we yeah. need your energy mm. yeah. yeah yeah and 
so because you know you think of Orania, I'm sure you've heard of Orania. I've been right? to Orania actually. Yeah, yeah, and you, you know, like as wonderful a place as you know, uh, like some right wingers would think. Yeah, it's got the its reason, own economy. Yeah, yeah, the reason why, like you know, it's it's not like this expanding idea is because Orania, it it is like pure exclusion, right? Yep. And that doesn't, you know, like that's almost like built on. Uh, to to be frank, racial hatred. Yeah, yeah. Without thinking through the shortcomings of market labor. Yeah. And so, you know, like if you're sitting there as and you're thinking, oh, Orania is a great place. We'll not see any black people. Okay, I have to do my own laundry. I have to dig my own. <laughs> uh, mm, yeah. Is Orania such a nice place? You know, like can I really? Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's why we migrated from Europe. You yeah. know, laborers, yeah. You know, like we, mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, uh, am I really going to work that field? I have to go cook my own supper. I have to, uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, like, yeah, no, I know. I think I can be a bit more progressive. It is not economically viable for me to be like that. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Really, and, and when I think I'd like to go back probably to something which you you, you know only too well and has taken a lot of your time once mm. again the uh, you, you know the xenophobic trials uh, mm. and it's a complex xenophobia is complex okay yeah. we live we, as though we don't have enough macro and micro socio-economic issues just within South African tribalism mm. which people are still killing each other for today yeah. in 2019 please don't think that's over I'm from Limpopo my mother's from Limpopo. There's Tosa tribes, even within the Tosa tribes themselves, mm. there are people who still kill each other because he's from another tribe. That's happening now, mm. by the way. But then, when we get to something like xenophobia, and I think you got into um, the lawyers for human rights at, at the time when it really started to, 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 the <laughs> to use an economic term, the boom yeah. of, of it. When tell, let's maybe, if we can... Um, uh, unpack a little bit of what you saw as xenophobia in the context of South Africa and you've lived throughout Africa, w whether it's unique to here and what's happening in xenophobia for you. I'm, I'm always so interested. Yeah. What's going on there? Why? Well, I'm South African, so I only experience it from a South African point of view. What's happening in your eyes as somebody who was in the belly of the beast? Yeah. So, I mean, this is, you know, like this is a global thing. Yeah. And I think every, so it's the same with tribalism. Every people, every group have a certain arrogance that they have as being better than other groups. Yeah. And particularly, you look at groups that have had uh, violence kind of pushed against them. And by that, you know, like I'm using your broad definition of, uh, of uh, colonialism, yeah. apartheid. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, like a lot of those systems... The, the reason why, for instance, we had, uh, you look through Africa, and sorry, I'm going to start very big because Broad, this yep. is no literally where it comes from, right? Uh, a lot of the ways in which colonialism worked was through what we call divide and conquer. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, your most tragic example being in Rwanda where you had uh, a minority Tutsi uh, tribe who were... Uh, a certain ethnicity, yeah. more light-skinned, who were given dominion and given more economic and social power over the majority Hutu tribe. And that division 
allows for you for better control uh, because the, the group is un, ununited and like the quarrels will happen with each other and we saw the same thing in Kenya in the 2009 election where uh, there was that a lot of tribal violence yep. with that election which uh, is it Kibaki won yep. in very controversial terms one yeah yeah on, and it's on paper and uh, there was a lot of rhetoric around the different tribes. And so, you know, like, I don't know if it is purely a legacy of colonialism, but certainly colonialism throughout Africa fueled uh, a division of Africans yeah, uh, yeah. to perpetuate colonial goals. Yes. And that's something that's, you know, like, that's something that's never... You know, like with liberation or independence or the end of colonial rule, that just doesn't kind of ebb away. Yeah. Uh, and societies have had to deal with this, and this is something that we deal with in, in South African society. Sure. And an extension of that is, uh, so you, you almost the African psyche through colonialism has yeah. always been too... Uh, fear and hate the other yeah and so you'll have these tribal wars between uh, you know Sutu people and Zulu people or whatever it may or, be yeah, yeah. whatever it may be and then it extends to okay so because we're protecting what's ours from you yeah right and then now as a collective you then have other Africans will come in and because We've almost have the psyche because you know when you talk xenophobia, right? Yeah. Like at its root, you know, like it's not really xenophobia; it's Afrophobia, right? If we're frank, huh? it's not. You know, you will not see. Uh, it's not like there's this hatred of Europeans. No. It's not a hatred of Americans, and the it's a hatred of your fellow Africans, and that's kind of what has been taught yeah, yeah and then it's been perpetuated obviously uh by political leaders and their rhetoric so uh, so, so i just want to kind of unpack that so you the, 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 we've been almost programmed to go mm. white skin has value so yes. they're a foreign national yeah you know, we're not even going to re refer to them as foreigners they are foreign nationals yeah. so yeah yeah of course they they bring yeah. value that's yeah. presumed yeah, like of course they bring value. Yeah, and you know, kind of, kind of goes back to the that violence you're talking about. Yeah. You know, like if we're now talking about, you know, what Steve Beaker was trying to teach, and if we kind of take it across the Atlantic, what uh, for non, yes, what we were taught was to hate ourselves. Yeah, and and I say we were, it's what we still are. Hundred percent. Right. Uh, you look at the media we consume, the education that we have. Yeah. It is still by we you're referring to black people. Yes, en masse. by yeah, yeah, black people on mass. Yeah, 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 is you are still everything in a lot of things in society are telling you are grading it's your value. Yeah, yeah, and and from the institutional discrimination that you have. Yeah. You know, your culture is worth nothing. Yeah. Uh, you're the erase uh, the how our history has been erased. Yeah. And your value in society. So, for instance, us in private school who can go and speak a certain way, we can navigate uh, 
society easily. Yeah. You know, my friend who come down from Limpopo who did not get that same privilege and had to learn English himself here, you know, like, he, that, that's yeah. violence. Yeah. The, the, even, you know, like, the, it, from all the way to your skin color, your proximity to whiteness. Yes. There's, and you'll see it in media, you'll see which models are taken, your representation and culture, yeah. and representation and culture in that, are you, you, will you see yourself in magazine covers? Will you see yourself in TVs, movies? 100%. And how will you see people who look like you portrayed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the overriding thing will be the, you know, the portrayal of such people in a negative light. Uh, even if you look through, you know, like you read, if, uh, like even our religious books, you know, like this light over darkness, the, yeah. the, the kind of description of the Philistines, yeah. you have like black people, a whole continent of black people praying to a white Jesus and yeah, a white yeah, God. Yeah, blonde. Yeah. Yeah. He lived in the blonde, Middle East. Blonde, blue eyed from Middle East. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the uh, Nubian times. Yes. <laughs> so, where technically you worship a God that came from people who look like you, yep. but you will have a picture of that God with looking blonde, blue eyed yeah. and pale, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. with no... But and and so that, and that's your, like, there's no way that doesn't affect your psyche. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And you, you think, so for instance, in West Africa, uh, you, you know, like there are a lot of countries where like 99% of the population is Christian. Yeah. Wor worshipping a blonde, blue eyed yeah. God. Yeah, yeah. And they're all dark skinned. Yeah. Or yeah. what they perceive to be a blonde, blue eyed God when yeah. he shouldn't be. And you know, I point to an imaginary painting, but there's no, nothing I got there. You, yeah, yeah. yeah. It would be I mean, it's if, topical. If you, if you I mean, no, <laughs> <laughs> not to go too deep into that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully, no one understands uh, that subtlety. Yeah, let's. Uh, so, so, and sorry to bring it back to xenophobia now. Uh, so now that 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 is it, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's it is political. It's the most. It's the easiest political fuel now for. Uh, for anyone, you know, like you, you'll see, like with Trump, you'll see in Europe with all uh, Brexit, Absolutely. all the the uh, the easy message to sell is they're coming to get us, and the imaginary there because you then actually don't have to do anything to protect from the there because they're not there. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. They're coming to get us. Vote me in. I'll protect you from they. Yes. They being anyone who doesn't look like you yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. obviously in Europe like it's uh, it's the foreigners it's the East yeah. Yeah, and you know like for them the foreigners are the Eastern Europeans who are different who physique do, facial structure yeah, you can tell and skin you know like yeah. they're darker yeah or and the African migrants yes. right because yeah. they're like yeah we, we don't like this foreigners you know this French people oh we love you French people we're talking about foreigners <laughs> You know, yeah, 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 yeah. you exactly. know, like it's that. It's the same thing with Trump and his stupid wall and yeah. uh, the Mexicans. Yeah. Uh, and then you know, the same Trump will be talking about my dad, Fred Trump, was born in Germany. Yeah. Even though he was born in New York, <laughs> and like, but you're selling yourself as a foreigner, but you're saying we don't want foreigners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like no, so, 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 so now it's clear what the foreigner represents, and it's. It is a message that has been streamed internationally through media. There's there's a distinction of foreigner 
as being people of color. Yeah. All right. And, uh, you know, like the intense xenoph uh, Islamophobia, right, which then manifests as xenophobia because of, yeah. uh, like, uh, it, it is so pervasive. You know, obviously we consume a lot of American media, but, you know, like, if you've ever been to America and yeah. actually, you know, like, we, we kind of consume that diluted version. Very much so. Uh, it, it is... It is shocking, you know, when, when you hear, like if you, so I was in New York and I'm in this cab, you know, it, it almost felt like, you know, imagine what you'd hear in Germany uh, and their propaganda against the Jews. Yeah. Right. You think, how is this legal? How are you allowing such, it, it is hate speech, yeah. direct hate speech yeah, against yeah, yeah. Muslim people. Yeah. But it's got to a stage where it has been, you know, we're now indifferent to it. Uh, and this is, you know, like when we speak to violence, you know, when that Christchurch guy starts shooting up a, a church, yeah. that is not where the violence began. The violence began when it became so normalized to speak about uh, Islam in such a derogatory way, where, you know, like, even through media, you know, like, so, and you know, like not to kind of imply that we're racist, but if imagine you're on a plane and someone gets up and says, Allah Akbar. Yeah. Right. We are conditioned to think that that's a precursor for. Absolutely. Something's for, about to go yeah. down. It's 9-11 all over again. Allah Akbar is God is great. Yeah. That is all that is saying. Yeah. Yeah. Islam is like for people who understand it. And I'm not Muslim, but Islam is inherently uh, religion, you know, its tenets are built around, you know, like uh, it's similar to Ubuntu, it's built around peace mm. and togetherness. And it has, the media has distorted it to be this hostile uh, religion and it has been sold as this hostile religion everywhere. And I mean, like, uh, you, the, so many prominent politicians in the West and like people who you'd a lot of people ordinarily listen to in the Western world speak about it in that manner. It's normalized. It's yes. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think like one of the best examples is uh, John McCain, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know John McCain is now in the divided world of America I'm on the right. Yeah. He's now seen as this hero and it's, you know, like it's very tragic that he eventually died. I suppose he lived a decent life. Yeah. Uh, he was, when he was debating Barack, when there were the two nominees from the two parties, uh, he had someone come, you know, like he's saying out his policies and someone comes out and says to him, uh, you know, but Barack is, what's it called? You know, Obama, he's like this Muslim heathen, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and yeah, him, yeah. yeah, and he stood up and he stopped him. And, you know, like, he was praised so much for this because he stopped the guy and said, you know, we have our dis disagreements, but Barack is not Muslim, yeah. right? Not, there's nothing wrong with Muslim people, but, yeah. no, in other words, <laughs> do not disparage Barack by calling, calling him Muslim. Muslim. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, 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 it's a, but, yeah. but it's normal. Oh, like, oh, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll praise you for that. And, it's and, and so, like, that is, so, like, uh, and sorry to kind of have this long-winded, that thing about it, you know, going back to xenophobia, you have to understand xenophobia does not start 
with you know King Zolotini saying like bad things. It, it, it is so deeply entrenched in all of society. Uh, deliberately as well. Deliberately. People must stop yeah. thinking that these tragedies are, these are, these are deliberate. Mm. And listen, it goes back to Grecian times. Anybody mm. who's willing to go back, like you're saying, mm. xenophobia is not a new thing. Mm. It is a structural part of socio-political, quite frankly, structuring. And structuring mm. is deliberate. Yes. People mustn't say, this is how it works out. No, mm. it's deliberate. So politicians know what they're doing. It's mm. calculated. You know, power is such a drug for most of these mm. politicians. And, you know, and... So, so Wayne, I mean, we'll probably move it on, and I, I think we've had such a powerful conversation. I, I'd probably like to talk uh, a, a little bit about uh, LHR, just a little bit. Obviously, that's what that, that's where you spend most of your life and most of your time, and mm. exactly uh, w w what uh, what you're, you guys are outlining, and 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 if anybody sees this and they're like, oh wow, I'd love to put them in in touch with, because you're an NGO, right? Mm. And how you are able to do this unbelievable work is through what measures? Yeah, so, I mean, so obviously our mission statement is essentially uh, realizing constitutional rights for vulnerable and marginalized communities yeah. that access to justice that I was talking about yeah. for poor people. Yeah. So it's almost, in a way, is combating poverty yeah. and what how poverty excludes people from society, Got you. Uh, which inherently means, you know, we're doing pro bono work, so obviously none of our clients pay anything for what we yeah. do. So to be able to get the funds, to be able to go and vindicate people's rights, whether they're homeless people, whether it's uh, communities affected by mining, yeah. whether it's... Uh, were a case we actually had today in Pretoria. I was getting updates from my candidate attorneys. Yep. It's actual police officers in Pretoria Station who are alleged victims of racial abuse. It's important because the, the attorney is kicking up a fuss for us helping out police officers. So the, so the police officers are themselves? Yes, so, and so you, you can so see so the violence they 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 are they are clients. So this is within the Pretoria Police Station. Yes, there were a group of women police officers, reservists, so like the lowest rank there. Yes, and they had a commanding officer who racially abused them using okay. the. And I'm not sure how what your censoring of words are, but using the K word. No, no. In yeah. fact, no, no, no. Yeah. So I, I must address that. Yeah. I don't understand why no one can say gaffer because. Mm. Who's it protecting? Mm. I, I already know. So, so I've always yeah. wondered why people say the N or the K word. Mm. It's, hey, just say kafir because it's, it's once again, it's that thing of why people shouldn't be viewed like that. Yeah. Like, no, 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 that exists and you understand what's happening there. Mm. Just because you don't want to hear that about yourself. Yeah. No, so I have no censoring about that. I, be, I believe that shouldn't be censored and it makes me sick every time people have said the N word. Yeah. It's like, hey, the only people that you're protecting there is the people that use the words. Yes. Because black people are like, what, my, do my, does my dad not know what you're saying? No, no, he heard it. And now it's the time you need to hear mm. what happened. And it didn't happen like N-word. Yeah. It's nigger. Yes. It's kafir. So no, no, no. So, so, so. so allegedly what this guy did was he 
came so and the the number of cases okay right but in this particular case he came and just said hey you kafir yeah. come here and then give me your uniform yeah and uh other explicit in the view of other officers yeah uh and he is alleged to have done this before and he had two cases opened against him yeah uh, and so we assisted the clients in the second case yeah. and we finally got it on the roll and the prosecution is finally moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so you can imagine like just the reality of that. You have police officials who are meant to protect the rights of other people. Yeah. But they're black police officials who have to come to an NGO, right? Government, uh, government workers wow. in mass and they even had their union rep and who come and say this is our work situation in our office and we actually realize this is a systemic issue it's not yeah. just in pretoria yeah, yeah, yeah and like the violence that they have to survive and then you think but so you know like you you think you of anywhere right you think okay if something bad happens to me what am i going to do i'm going to call the police now imagine you're the police and you're like where do I go? Yeah. Yeah, like I cannot vindicate my rights. I've gone, I've opened this yeah, thing yeah. in house, I've opened a case, and just the societal structure just does not allow uh, for me to be protect, protected. Yeah. We obviously have the social capital to, you, you know, like we're then like that Oscar Pretorius vehicle to vindicate all his rights. Yes, yes, yes. And we can go and say, no more. Yeah. Because that's violence. And, and, and that push that we give. Yeah. You know, like, we shouldn't be there. Like, we, we shouldn't have to give a push to police officials who protect other people's rights. Yes. But we find ourselves doing that. And so we gave a push and the wheels of justice began moving. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And, you know, it, like, even that in itself is, you don't, that should not be our profile of client. Yeah. But that is how deeply uh, groups in our society are have been precluded by society. You know, like so. When you say where does society start, it does not even start with people, black police officers who are women who will just not be uh, given their justice. They they need that push that you know, like Oscar will get from Barry, from, is it uh, Barry Roo? Yeah. yeah. You know, like he's such a parody now on yeah, I, social media. I'm always like, is that still is that here? <laughs> yeah, you know, because now I'm like, if I'm saying Barry Roo, am I giving a shout out to yeah, advocate yeah. Barry Roo, whoever he is, you know, like the... Yeah, the parody account, yeah. oh, it's hilarious. Yeah. No, uh, Wayne, you, you know, it's, um, it, it is something, you know, as I, uh, I, I try and imagine uh, if people where I live in the southern suburbs of Cape Town, in, mm. in the Atlantic seaboard, realize that every time the black people come and clean your house, mm. come and dig your garden, every time they go home and walk past your electric fences, mm. every time they, they, they see your Maserati, every time they see these things that you normalize as, as having for your working harder, mm. is a form of violence. And, you, you know, Wayne, I, I'd love to hear from your side because... You know, I, I, I was speaking to somebody uh, before on this very couch, and uh, th that's an episode that will be coming out, who said, hope is not a plan. Mm. You know, w what do you say as somebody who's in the belly of the beast? And I imagine at times it can be hard when you see so much tough. To, 
to keep a level of this can get better. Uh, what, what do you say to, to us and, and, and like myself out there? Because I, and she, she moved my needle of hope is not a plan, but what do you say to us when we go, um, like, and I love what you guys are doing, but where mm. to from here? Where can people look to, how do, how do people who don't know what you're doing mm. engage with you at LHR? And who knows, there may be guys who, who wanna come on board, they didn't realize that this existed mm. and they're doing work maybe in, in other spaces that isn't serving their soul, for lack of a better mm. word. Um, how do we get in touch with you to go, Wayne, I don't understand this, or you, you, know, you're, you guys are a wealth of knowledge. Is there a way for guys to get a hold of you guys? Yeah, there's, so uh, I think I'll address just how you can contact us. We, yeah. are on, we are on social media, Facebook, we have a website, we have six offices across the country. We have one year in Cape Town, okay. Durban, Johannesburg, Pretoria, Messina, yeah. and Uppington. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we have six units which deal, so we deal with uh, refugee, migrant rights, land yeah. issues, housing issues, gender issues, penal reform issues, yeah. environmental issues, uh, business, uh, kind of like the business and human rights angle. Yeah. And yeah. then my unit, which is strategic litigation, which is public interest litigation. So it's like we deal with getting cases that will advance the public interest and that's like very broad based. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, if you kind of just look us up in whatever city you're in and you call us uh, and yeah, you can or you can drop us uh, you can drop us a message on Facebook, on uh, Twitter and someone will get back to you. And, and what then are the that's, handles for? for uh, so, oh, you're putting me on the spot, uh, okay. but it's at uh, uh, LHR underscore SA for Twitter on Facebook. You just Google lawyers. I mean, you just search lawyers for human rights lawyers of or lawyers for it's lawyers for lawyers for right. human rights okay yeah. yeah and our website is i think it's uh lhr.org.za okay but so. just google lawyers for human rights in google and will be the first thing that will come up yeah SA. and, and uh, you, you know mm. when i've had you for so long and yeah. what i've decided actually i was thinking about it whether i should open it up but i want to because i'm going to have you back on and yeah. we'll have uh, we'll, uh, I, I think next time we'll talk i would have loved to do it this time but we'll do it and uh, slightly on a, t a different topic is uh, transformation. But yes. know, I, I was thinking about it all day because we've been kind of uh, over the last 24 hours thinking about this. And I've, I think that that's such a big subject, transformation within spaces. And for me, my interest is sport, obviously. Mm. So, and I'm, so is mine. As yeah, you know. yeah, no, no. Uh, you're, yeah. I, mean, Wayne's like, I think it's worth noting that I coached you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. It, yes. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, luckily, I was very, very talented, so I didn't yeah. need my <coughs> people. <laughs> people have called me the LeBron James of Wayne's team, and I, mm. you know, I was, but whatever. I'm, I'm too humble mm. to go on about that. But we, we, when you come on and, and Wayne, so, something like this, I think, you know, you, you obviously people can check you out. You are hmm. always on across the platforms, across uh, the big uh, me media channels. You are always on and you get shorter things. But what I love is I, I would love to have you back on here continuously. And uh, unfortunately, you don't live in Cape Town. So, yeah, well, we can do Skype or something. You yeah, just yeah. Have to, no, 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 we can definitely. <laughs> hopefully the technology holds up, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah hopefully, because the Internet in Johannesburg is nonsense. Yeah. Don't you know that Cape Town is, uh, yeah. is the first world, the only first world uh, part of South Africa? Yeah, <laughs> uh, the myth about you guys going to Africa, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we we're actually looking to leave Africa um, yeah. because we've got things like 
100 meg lines and yeah. things you wouldn't understand in Johannesburg. I don't want to bore you with mm. the, you know, the fine tunes. But Wayne, it, it's, been, it's been huge for me and we, we've covered so much, you know. Yeah. Uh, we've covered so much and it, it, it's really, on a personal level, it's an mm. absolute honor that we have flowed in and, in and, uh, in and out of each other's lives, but yeah. to, to have observed, you know, I'm unashamedly biased, you know, aspirational, competent and black, when I see it, 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 I, like I'm biased. I am biased. My my story. I come from two rural parents. Not like in the townships. My parents, although they are graduates, are both from rural South Africa. So when mm. when I see people like yourself, and what I love it is, I knew you before now. So it's so great to 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 what you know to know the whole story and and what you're doing on on that level. Of course, I'm selfish in saying as a black man. For me, seeing you, I'm always looking at someone and I'm going. That's so crazy. I, you know, Wayne looks like me. I'm capable of that, mm. and, and not necessarily within that field. It's, I, I look at it. I'm like, I'm capable of more in whatever I'm doing because look at him. You know, so I, man. So we, this isn't the last time we human human rights is an ongoing issue, and I, I want to leave with the thing for anybody who's watching, and uh, Wayne, of course, something you live. I'm just talking it. You live it. No state is ever just enough. So whether you are white, black privileged uh, w w when you exist with proximity to power with the you, you, you know a, a poor model we've out modeled it now but it's the Maslow hierarchy of needs every every undergrad thinks they know everything once they've said that but nobody uses Maslow's hierarchy of needs anymore there's far better psychoanalytical models but let's just use that when you're closer to the top which is known as self-actualization realize please all the time and this is just my opinion is um, no state is ever just enough. And those are my words. Uh, uh, Zygmunt Bauman, if you don't know him, go and look up his work. The great Zygmunt Bauman passed a couple of years ago. And, and, and Wayne, I want to thank you, brother, as, as an inspiration. And, and, and it's an honor to, 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 to have had you on, bro. No, no, thank you. We should do this again. No, no, it's, it's going to happen. It's going to yeah. happen. Wayne, my guy, thank you, man. All good. All good indeed, mate. All right. Thank you, bro.